Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is the look ahead with Scott Seidenberg on VSIN, the sports betting network. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. It is the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Always on Twitter at Scott's on air, S C O T T S O N A I R. Joining me now is the host of Odds On here on the sports betting network, VSIN. He is Amal Shah. Amal, a long time no speak. Good to have you back on the show. And how did you do during the Super Bowl and uh, your overall assessment of the game? Uh, not particularly well, but I was able to at least get off my Rams play because at halftime, Bengals were plus a half, and I felt like this was going to be a tight game. But, you know, I, I, I tell you what, I thought that call late went against uh, Cincinnati, but I didn't feel like either team overwhelmed. However, if OBJ doesn't go down, it felt like to me that the Rams are going to be in control from an offensive perspective. And then we saw the problems with the Cincinnati offensive line kind of rear its head again in the second half. You know, they give up nine sacks against Tennessee, end up giving up seven in this game. And even that final fourth down play, you saw Aaron Donald doesn't get credit with the sack. But for all intents and purposes, Burrow had the wherewithal to be able to throw the ball. Otherwise, that would have been sack number eight. And that would have been the crowning accomplishment for that team. But give the Rams credit. They did what they needed to do to win a Super Bowl. I don't think anyone's going to sit there and think, hey, this is the greatest of the 56 Super Bowl teams to win it. But they've got a ring, and it will go down in history as a Super Bowl championship for them. Which of these two teams do you think uh, goes deeper next season? I think the Rams do simply because I think Cincinnati caught lightning in a bottle at the right time this year. Remember, they played a very weak schedule because of where they finished the previous season. Mm -hmm. Uh, It'll be far more challenging next year. You know, when you look at the Rams individually, uh, Cooper Cup, probably the top receiver in the NFL this year, Jalen Ramsey, one, two, or three, a cornerback. Aaron Donald, not only the best defensive tackle, the best player in football for my money for the last few years, he's, he's been amazing. So you look at some of the guys that they have, Robert Woods went down with an injury. Matthew Stafford, regardless of how you view him, top 10, top 12, top whatever, he's still an efficient quarterback who's a number one, oh, <clears throat> excuse me, a number one overall pick, really can get some things done. I like McVay and Zach Taylor as coaches. They've both done a nice job. So they've got some good offensive pieces. And they've got good individual talent on the defensive front. But I think when you look at their linebacking core, their back four, a lot of question marks and uncertainty there. And then, of course, the right side of that offensive line playing with two backups, I think really came to uh, fruition this year in terms of deficiency. And I think they're also in a very competitive division, even though Pittsburgh's probably going to stick a step back next year. One thing, don't forget, the Baltimore Ravens, in my opinion, are going to be the best team in that division. Peters was hurt, Ronnie Stanley's hurt, Marlon Humphrey, Lamar Jackson, Gus Edwards, and J.K. Dobbins all dealing with injuries this year. 
I, I think this team's going to be far more competitive next year. I completely would agree with that. So now that football season's over, Amal, what, where, what sport has really uh, taken the bulk of your attention? You know, right now, I obviously focused in on college basketball. Uh, um, to me, you know, everyone points to March Madness because everyone comes to Vegas for that time to bet. But I think really the best betting time is as we get towards the latter part of the conference play and then the conference tournament. I, I think those are the absolute best money-making opportunities out there. You have teams playing for at least a second time, but the majority of them playing for a third time. So you have an idea how certain opponents match up. The numbers are skewed a little bit differently, whereas you're on a home floor and now you're on a neutral site. So changing the dynamic of things, um, a lot of times teams in desperation mode, <clears throat> excuse me, teams in desperation mode play far better than they may have during a regular season game. So a lot of fun, good opportunities there. And then also paying attention to tennis, uh, men's and women's tennis right now going on all over the world. And it's tough sometimes for people on the West Coast or the East Coast because the hours, like, for example, tonight, you've got tennis that's going to go in Doha on the men's side and Dubai on the women's side starting at 2 o'clock in the morning Pacific time and then 5 o'clock on the East Coast. So if you're not really in tune with it, it's kind of hard to pay attention to consistently because there's a tournament every week. Well, speaking of college basketball and the dynamic changing with uh, going to neutral sites, if Rutgers could just play the uh, conference tournament at the rack, I think they might win the Big Ten. Uh, <laughs> this is a team that just dominates against ranked opponents. Another win here, uh, fourth straight over a ranked opponent beating Illinois 70-59 uh, to 59 at the rack. Uh, when you look at the Big Ten overall, is Purdue the team that's going to come out of that conference? Is it as clear-cut as that, or can someone else – uh, top the Boilermakers? Well, let me put it to you this way, and I'm trying to pull up the conference standings right now, but in terms of winning the league, you know, Purdue might be ahead of the pack, but I'm going to tell you, in terms of making a deep march run, they are not even in my top two selections that I would choose. Right now, really? I'm looking Illinois, yeah, Illinois 11 and 3, Wisconsin 11 and 4, Purdue 11 and 4, uh, Ohio State also at 9 and 4. Uh, to me, uh, Wisconsin and Ohio State, and potentially uh, Illinois and Michigan State, could make a deeper run than Purdue. Look, Matt Painter has a serious problem in terms of coaching in March. There's no denying that. When you, when you look at what his teams have failed to do with the talent that they've had, uh, you know, Gene Cady had the same problem. Gene Cady never made a Final Four, and I get it's hard to make it to a Final Four. But at some point in time, when you've got the type of talent you have, Jaden Ivey's a top five, top seven pick. Trevion Williams is outstanding. Um, the big man inside, Edie, is tough to shoot over. Stefanovic can shoot the three, but for whatever reason, when they get outside of Mackey and we get into real matchups against teams, once you get past that first game, let's say you're a one, two, or three seed, you got a fairly easy game. When you start playing a potential eight seed, a seven seed, a six seed, these are teams that are capable of beating you. And this is where Purdue sometimes is inconsistent. And you look at some of these games we've seen with Purdue. They, they should be putting some of these opponents away. They haven't done so. When you look around the rest of the country at elite teams like in Arizona, Arizona goes to Seattle last weekend. They're down 9, 10 points in the first half. They win the game by 24, 25 points, something like that. I, I don't see Purdue being able to go on the road sometimes, even at Nebraska, and Nebraska is not even nearly as good as Washington, and doing those types of things. So for me, I think Wisconsin, with having Johnny Davis, uh, Brad Davison, this team is dangerous, Tyler Wall on the inside. I think Wisconsin can make a deeper run in marks than Purdue can. Uh, what about uh, the Coach K farewell tour? Are we back in the Dukies to have a deep tournament run? Well, listen, first of all, for full disclosure, I don't think anybody has more disdain for Coach K than I do, but they've got, a, they got immense talent, and we'll see. I mean, you know, yesterday, obviously, John Shire takes over 
And I'm hoping that's a, it's kind of a preview of things to come for Duke. Uh, just looking like blowing 15 and 17 and 18, 19 point leads, but they find a way to win that game. They've got immense talent, but for whatever reason, in a weak ACC, to me, if you look at some of the old Duke teams, they, they would be running through this league with barely one loss in conference play. I mean, tonight, you get Pittsburgh that beats North Carolina at the Dean Dome. There, this team, there's not really a good second team outside of Duke in this league. I know Notre Dame has played well, and they're right up there near the top of the standings, but I think if you look at Notre Dame and you put them in the Big Ten or the Big 12, they're lucky if they're in the top half of the league. Yeah, Duke right now minus 400 to win the ACC. To make the Final Four, they're at plus 240 to win the national championship, plus 1,300. Do you like betting futures when it comes to the college basketball tournament, or would you rather just bet a team on a game-by-game basis? Yeah, I, you know, I was fortunate a couple of years ago. I bet Virginia win the national title, and they did. But I, unless there's a team that I think is just outstanding and you're getting the right odds for it, I think so many times the odds makers don't really give you what I would consider to be fair odds on so many of these teams, so I tend not to do that. Um, I think it really comes down to certain matchups. There are certain teams that just match up particularly well with certain opponents, and so I think that's going to be crucial in terms of how sometimes things play out. You know, if you take a team like, for example, Duke, they've got immense talent, potentially five guys going in the first 40 picks that's not in the first round. But if they were to match up against a team like Arizona, who can play at Temple, who's got the length to, uh, to challenge Bancaro, to cause problems for Williams, I don't think it would be that, as much of a slam dunk. But if they wind up with another type of opponent along the way that's a one seed, I think they could do extremely well. So a lot of it for me is based on how the teams match up. I would prefer to go with, you know, just kind of betting the games as we get to the tournament and looking at some of the teams maybe that people don't pay attention to from some of the smaller leagues and how well they play throughout the course of the season. Is Gonzaga the team to beat in this whole thing? It seems like they've been kind of lost in the shuffle here a bit, despite being number one. Yeah, I, well, you know, here's the problem with Gonzaga, and this is the problem every year. As soon as they get done with conference play at the end of December, nobody discusses them until March simply because the WCC as good of a league as it's been this year. It's let's be realistic here. I like the Dons and what they've been able to do so far this year. we know St. Mary's is consistent. Even uh, you look at Santa Clara so far this year, they've been very competitive. Herb Sundex's team has been very solid, but realistically, you know, they're, they're 15, 16 point favorites against opponents in their league. No team that's number one in their conference in the SEC, like Kentucky or Auburn, is that much of a favorite against, you know, upper echelon teams. The other night we saw uh, Gonzaga, I think what they were, 16-point favorite against St. Mary's. If Auburn is playing Kentucky, there's not a world in which Auburn's a 16-point favorite against Kentucky. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, they and, Gonzaga wins by 20, and they didn't even cover <laughs> here against Pepperdine. And, exactly. And so I think the Zags are a tremendous team. I like them. I'm a big Nemhard guy. I think he's terrific in the backcourt from him. Strother can really shoot the basketball. It's going to come down to Timmy and uh, Holmgren in terms of what they can do. I think they've got a great opportunity. I think they have a shot as well as anybody to be able to win the national title this year, but they've got to be able to get through. Look, last year it looked like they were going to be able to get it done, uh, give Baylor all the credit in the world. But I think there's some teams this year, when you look from the SEC or the Big 12, that are extremely dangerous, Texas Tech, Baylor. I'm not as high on Kansas. I, I said this all along. Kansas is the best regular season team in the Big 12, but I believe Texas Tech and Baylor could make a deeper run in March than, than the Jayhawks. Uh, real quick, in about uh, 30 seconds or so, you have a play for tomorrow? I, I do not yet. I just have been kind of looking over the board, haven't decided on anything yet. But uh, 
you know, the one thing I, I want to see this Michigan-Iowa again, this is going to be an interesting one here with the Hawkeyes at home because they don't defend enough. Michigan may cause them some problems. Amal, appreciate the conversation as always. We'll talk again soon. Thank you. There he is. Amal Shah, host of Odds On here on VSIN. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's On Air, S C O T T S O N A I R. There is a couple of different ways that you can attack the college basketball market here as we do approach conference tournament time, which is going to be just absolutely insane. And then, of course, the NCAA tournament. Is it worth it to place a future bet or should you just go game by game? I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun. Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! (laughs) Download the Zigazoo app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never see me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. (laughs) (laughs) Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my dad. <laughs> this is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Scott Satterberg back here with you. It is The Look Ahead here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. My thanks to Amal Shaw for joining me uh, last segment. You can catch Amal hosting Odds On here on VSIN. And uh, when it comes to the NCAA tournament, there's a couple of ways that you could attack it. If you like a team to win the tournament, you could certainly look to them in the futures market, right? You can bet on teams to make it to the Final Four. You can bet on teams to win the entire thing. Like, Gonzaga right now is the favorite to win the national title at plus 400. Arizona next plus 800, followed by Kentucky plus 900, Auburn plus 1,000. To make the final four, it's the same group of four teams, Gonzaga, Arizona, Purdue, and Kentucky, Auburn, Duke, Baylor, Kansas, all within the range of plus 300 or less to advance to the Final Four. And for a bet like that, it makes no sense. 
to risk your one unit to win your three units on, let's say, Duke. Or let's say just any of these teams. Unless you're taking a long shot, you're better off going game by game. And even with a long shot as well, you're probably better off going game by game because you consider that maybe these long shots might be an underdog in in a game or two. But it's going to take six wins to win the national championship. So you got to figure, you know, the the sixth win is the national championship win. The fifth win is to get into the final. So four wins to get into the final four, right? You win your first round game. You win your second round game. You win your Sweet 16 game. You win your Elite Eight game. 4-0 is what you have to go. Depending on the odds for those games, you could simply take your bets and then roll over your profits into betting the next game and then the next game and then the next game so that after a team goes 4-0, you might have more than a three-unit profit. Again, it all depends. If you're looking at a team like Gonzaga, and Gonzaga to make the Final Four is minus 105, but a team like that is going to be heavily favored in the first round. You know, any of these one seeds or two seeds going to be very heavily favored in the first round. So if you think the money line is somewhere around the, I don't know, minus 800 range, I mean, maybe it's even more than that. Let's say if they're a 10-point favorite, are they minus 600? But they're probably more than that. They might be like a 20-point favorite or something like that. So uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, Let's say they're minus 5,000, whatever it is. All right, you're not going to make much off of that. You're going to make a couple of bucks. So let's say you bet one unit. A team is minus 3,000 on the money line because they're 16, 17, 18-point favorites. Your profit is going to be like $3, $4. Okay. But now you're betting them again on the next game. And with every game that you move forward, those odds are going to be lesser and lesser because the competition will be better and the money line will decrease. For a team like Gonzaga, they'll be favored in every game. For a team like Duke, probably be favored in every game. For the same thing with Purdue and Arizona and Kentucky until they match up with each other. And that's, I think, where you get the bonus is let's say it comes down to an Elite Eight matchup where it's a one seed versus a two seed. And you actually are getting in that game the payout that you need to eclipse the future bet. And it's so hard to look at now because once the bracket comes out, the odds will change. But if you're just looking at what the odds are right now, I don't think there's a reason to bet it. I think you have to wait to see what the matchups are, and then you go game by game on each team. You know, bet them the cover, bet them with the spread, or just bet them on the money line. And that's what, look, I, I always do it the, the, the first day of the, the first two days of the college basketball tournament. I do a lot of money line parlays with the heavy favorites. Um, I do pick a couple of upsets because the lesson is always upsets early, chalk late when it comes to the NCAA tournament. You know, you're going to get your upsets in the first two rounds. And then after that, the cream rises to the top. The better teams win. 
But I do like looking at money line parlays in those first two rounds because, you know, out of the games, like when you do your bracket pools and stuff like that, 16 games just picking the winner straight up. What's the worst you've ever done? And let's be honest. Like, what's the worst you've ever done? Have I gone 16 and 0 on a day? Yeah, I've gone 16 and 0 on a day. Picking it, just filling out my bracket. I mean, what's the worst you're going to go? 11, right? Going to win 11 out of 16? So you go a little money line parlay strategy. Put together some of your best uh, picks in your brackets in the first two games, and then you push it over, and then you see. Uh, I can't wait to bet on March Madness. I can't wait to bet on conference tournaments. And Amal brings up a really good point. Because at this point in the college basketball season, we're at the end of the conference schedule. So you're getting teams that are rematching against conference opponents that they already played. And maybe that, you know, okay, last time they lost on the road. Now they're looking for revenge at home. So there are different angles that you could that you can look at when it comes to these rematches. And then in conference tournament time, yes, neutral site. So you take away the home, road, all that stuff. But also, some of these matchups might be the third time that a team is playing each other. And so you look at the first couple of matchups, you see how things go and whatnot. Like, let's take a look. Top 25 schedule for Thursday. Not a ton of games, but you have uh, number 21, Murray State against Austin P. They're at 18.5-point favorites. Number three, Arizona is 25-point favorites over Oregon State. Number 14, Houston, a 13.5-point favorite over UCF. Number 13, UCLA, 9.5 over Washington State. And number 17, USC, 10.5 over Washington. Let's look at the Pac-12 as this example. And for UCLA... They uh, already played Washington State in a game where, did they play Washington State? I guess they did not play Washington State, and maybe they don't play Washington State twice, which is strange. But, um, yeah, nothing there for UCLA. Uh, Let's look at USC, though. And this is what I'm talking about. Like, okay, UCLA lost to USC by three points. That game was at USC. The last game of the regular season, they will host USC. That would be a spot I would look at UCLA to kind of exact, uh, you know, get their conference revenge at home is what I would look at for UCLA last game of the season against USC. So just little examples like that. Um Washington plays against USC here. Um, It is, uh, I guess, the only time that they're playing each other this season. So maybe the Pac-12, bad example there. Um, They'll play Washington State twice coming up. Uh, Other other games coming up, I guess, this weekend. If you're looking at the schedule, let's see. Friday, got a couple of interesting, you know, big big East games here. Butler-St. John's. Saturday, big game. Illinois, Michigan State. Uh, You also have Texas Tech, Texas. Alabama against Kentucky. Tennessee against Arkansas. So a lot of top 25 matchups 
on Saturday in college basketball. And let's just, you know, there's let's look at the Illinois-Michigan State matchup. Illinois beat Michigan State at home 56-55. Now they have to go to East Lansing where Sparty is going to be looking for revenge. So good spot for Sparty at home in that matchup. These are things that, you know, you take advantage of. Uh, Texas, Texas Tech, right? Didn't we just see this matchup, uh, what was it, last week or something like that, where um, Texas lost at in Lubbock 77-64. Now they will host Texas Tech on Saturday. Maybe the Longhorns get themselves a little bit of revenge on their home floor. These are things, like Amal said, you can take advantage of here when it comes to the end of the college basketball regular season as we finish up this conference schedule and get into conference tournaments coming up in a few weeks, which is absolutely going to be an incredible time here in Las Vegas. First of all, everybody coming into betting on these games, but also there are four conference tournaments here in Vegas. So maybe we'll make the rounds and go to a bunch of these games. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. It's the look ahead here on VSIN. On VSIN, the sports betting network. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VSIN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcasts. Catch replays of all of our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to vcin.com slash podcasts and get Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, the Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, My Guys in the Desert, Coast to Coast Hoops, and many more. They're all free and available now at vcin.com slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. It is the look ahead here on VSIN, the sports betting network. Taking a look at what went down on the ice here on uh, Wednesday night. Just four games on the schedule. And one of the games that I loved hit with ease. That was the Avalanche over the Golden Knights. I talked about just how banged up Vegas was. Uh, Robin Leonard out now, so they're going with Brassois in net. No Mark Stone. Uh, Jack Eichel did make his debut, and Eichel had uh, a minus one. He had one shot on goal in uh, 17 minutes of ice time. So nice to see him on the ice. First game in, I guess, over a year. Uh, Brassois had 23 saves. Uh, Darcy Kemper, though, who did not play in Tuesday night's loss for Colorado, came back and had a big game, uh, made 29 saves as the Avalanche picked up a win and avoided losing back-to-back games, which is exactly what I talked about. This is a team that has not lost back-to-back games since, what, November? So, And it was the beginning of November. So just an incredible um, run that this team has been on right now. Colorado with the most points in the NHL, 74 points. So they are right there for the President's Trophy. Uh, 35 wins, 9 losses, 4 overtime losses. They are just a machine right now. The other game that I loved, it did not come through. That was the Minnesota Wild against the Jets. Minnesota was a team 
that was playing really good hockey. Uh, eight of they they had won eight of their last nine games coming into this game, and I just felt that they were playing in good form. Winnipeg was not in good form. Um, Cam Talbot just didn't have it right. Gives up five goals on thirty shots, and uh, Connor Hellebuck had a nice game for the Jets. Jets win six to three. Uh, the second period really did them in. Um, Minnesota took a one nothing lead into the first intermission, but then uh, Winnipeg scores two one answered to take a two two to one lead, and then the floodgates just opened in the third period, where um, just about a minute in, Mark Shifley scored, made it three to one, and then it was four to one, and then four two, then five two, and you know the game was over already. So Minnesota loses. Uh, Calgary stays red hot. The Flames are scorching as they have now won, I believe it's eight in a row, nine of their last ten. They cover the puck line once again. You look at this team over this uh, streak here, and most of these games, they are covering the puck line here. Look at listen to these scores. And this is starting with tonight, and I'm going backwards here over this eight game winning streak. Six to two, six to two, five two, five two, six nothing, four two. There was a four three win over Dallas. They didn't cover the puck line, a one nothing win over Vancouver, which started the streak. But then going back before that, they had a loss, then a six nothing win. A 7-1 win, a 5-1 win, a 5-1 win, a 6-4 win. This team, when they win games, they cover the puck line. It's uh, it's really something. They do such a great job of um, really covering the puck line this season. Um, let's see here. I did have a list. Of these teams uh, against the spread. Uh, ATS. Do I have here the Flames? Where are they? No, I'll pull that up. I'll get the, I'll get the numbers here of what the Flames have done. But just looking at this, just this small sample size over the last uh, eight wins or so, six of them covering the puck line. In fact, like I said, going before that of their last 10 wins, 11 wins, Let's go 12 of their last 13 wins. So we have 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. 11 of their last 13 wins have covered the puck line. And you know what? Why not? Let's have fun with this. Let's go back even further. So where are we? We said 11 of their last 13, right? So it's 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Let's go back before that. Uh, yeah, they had a streak of a bunch of uh, 4-3, 3-2, 2-1 wins. So, uh, so it's 11 uh, of 13. Uh, let's see, 11 of 14, 11 of 15, 11 of 16, 12, 17, 13, 18, 14, 19, 15 of 20, 16 of 21, 17 of 22, 18 of 23, 19 of 24, 20. Of 25, this is a great run here. 20 of their last 25 wins have covered the puck line. 
for the Calgary Flames. Ooh, that's a trend. Their next game will be on Saturday at home against Seattle. I will absolutely play them minus a goal and a half. And they could lose, right? Everybody loses. Streak has to end at some point. Seems not going to go undefeated the rest of the year. But I will play them minus a goal and a half in their next game. 20 of their last 25, all by more than one goal. That is a trend. Uh, Let's see. Panthers, that great game that I wanted to stay away from. Panthers beat the Hurricanes in overtime. I mean, I said it was going to be a great game, right? One to overtime. Great game. Here's what's on your schedule for Thursday. You got the Rangers hosting the Red Wings. Rangers are minus 200. They should win that game rather easily, although Detroit has been very feisty this season. Uh, Washington is minus 175 at the Flyers. This is a great game. Toronto, minus 150 at home against the Penguins. Uh, Right now in the standings, Toronto has 65 points. Pittsburgh has 70 points. Pittsburgh's in first place in the Metropolitan, while Toronto is in third place, but they're like pretty locked into at least third place right now in the Atlantic with Tampa and uh, Florida above them. But that is a tremendous game between two of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. You got the Blues, minus 280 against the Canadiens. I will absolutely play the Blues. I will play the Blues on the puck line. Montreal is the worst team in hockey. They have lost 10 straight games. They are 8-33-7 on the season. And of these 10 straight losses, let's see, two of them, three of them have been by one goal. So seven of their last 10 losses have been by more than one goal. Uh, Let's see, eight of their last 11, nine of their last 12, I guess nine of their last 13, 10, 14, 11, 15, 11 of their last 15 losses have been by more than one goal. This team is just putrid. So I will absolutely be on the St. Louis Blues. You got Buffalo minus 120 at home against the Senators. Uh, Let's see. We got the Islanders minus 120 at home against the Bruins. Uh, Jets minus 175 at home against the Kraken. Second out of a back-to-back here for Winnipeg. Uh, Chicago minus 150 at home against the Blue Jackets. The Oilers, minus 230 at home against the Ducks. And Vancouver is minus 115 on the road against the Sharks. So no heavy, well, we have the heavy road favorite would be the Blues over the Canadiens. And that is your uh, very, very profitable NHL betting system this season would be the heavy road favorites. If I were looking at like a favorite Moneyline parlay, I would say Rangers, Blues, and Oilers. That would be the three teams that I would uh, bank on to win their respective games. I'm Scott Seidenberg. Hit me up on Twitter at Scott's on Air, S-C-O-T-T-S-O-N-A-I-R. Taking a look at your President's Trophy race. That is the Colorado Avalanche. They are in first 74 points. At 71 points, the Florida Panthers, 70 points, 
the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Tampa Bay Lightning. That is the race for the President's Trophy in the NHL. Once again, I'm Scott Sadenberg. Hit us up at VSIN Live on Twitter. Be sure to go to vsin.com. Find out all the ways to watch and listen to us here. This is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my game. game. <laughs> this is The Look Ahead on VSIN, the sports betting network. VSIN has a great new offer that can only be described as madness. You get VSIN all access to everything we do from now through the college basketball championship on April 4th for only. Sign up now and get our daily best bets, emails, 24-7 video access, the upcoming College Hoops betting guide, bracket breakdowns, plus full access to vcin.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every game. This deal only happens once a year, so don't miss out. Visit vcin.com slash madness to sign up today. Scott Sadenberg back here with you. It is The Look Ahead here on vcin, the sports betting network. Joining me now is uh, Wes Reynolds, who you catch all across this network, especially if you listen to Long Shots, our incredible golf podcast with Brady Cannon. And Wes, I give him all the credit. Him, Brady, Matty Humans do a great job when it comes to betting these uh, golf futures, which I tailed and I cashed last week. And Wes, now I feel invincible. Like I feel like I'm gonna win. The, I'm gonna win every week now. It's like, yeah, what, I'm gonna bet four or five guys, and one of them's gonna win. See, you you haven't had the pain yet, Scott. Long term, <laughs> I mean, you're, you're gonna get that. 
when you deal with golf futures. I mean, and I that's why I tweeted back at you on Sunday. Yep. I was like, nothing's more gratifying, but nothing's more painful when you lose in a playoff or you have a guy. You know, I've been in that situation so many times where you get like a long shot with the lead, like those that might have had the gala last Sunday at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. It's like, okay, this guy's got a one-shot lead. This crowd is absolutely coming unglued. They're with this guy. And then on 17, he plunks one in the drink and ends up losing the lead and losing the golf tournament. And look, our cash on Scotty Scheffler after he bogeyed at 12. There's a, a site called Data Golf that does some advanced golf stats and analytics. They had him at a 1.7% chance to win the golf tournament. And then he has a five-footer on 18 where it's like, oh, he's going to wrap this up in regulation. We're going to be done before the Super Bowl. Of course, that's never how it works out at Phoenix. <laughs> it had to go to a playoff. It seemingly does so every year. And go the game's already started, and they're still playing there at TPC Scottsdale. So Scheffler misses that five-footer, and then he drains a near 30-footer on the third playoff hole to get rid of Patrick Cantlay. Yeah, and listen, we experienced the grind. I remember watching you know, a couple weeks ago, Will Zalatoris had it at 66-1, to and and he loses. He had a chance to win uh, at the end, uh, 17 and 18, couldn't get it done, and then loses in the playoff to Luke List. So that was painful, but very joyous seeing Scotty Scheffler win last week. So let's turn our attention now to the Genesis Invitational. Talk to me about Riviera. Uh, I, have, I, I, was, I lived in L.A. for a couple years, had the chance to go. Actually, um, something came up, and I couldn't go the day that I actually had passes to be there. So very upset about that. But talk to me about the course. Yeah, it's located in Pacific Palisades, just uh, in the Santa Monica Canyon, right below the mountains. That's actually one block south of the famous Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles. Uh, 7,322 yard, par 71. It's hosted a few major championships. It's going to be the golf venue for LA 2028 for the Summer Olympics. So this is a course that is very much a shot makers type of course. It's not a bomb and gouge where you just hit it as far as you can. If you miss a fairway, oh, you're just going to chop it out and bomb and gouge it. You have really large greens here, about 7,500 square feet, yet they're the seventh largest on tour, but they have the second lowest mark on tour for greens and regulation because you have some blind approach shots to the pin because these are dog leg holes. And, you know, we've had players in the past, including Bubba Watson, saying he intentionally misses certain fairways just so he can get better sight lines into the greens. So when you're comparing courses, other courses on the tour, Augusta National, where, of course, the Masters is played, Torrey Pine South, Quail Hollow, Copperhead course at Innisbrook. Those are kind of the course correlations you're looking at with Riviera. So give me a couple of guys here. Who are we uh, targeting for this tournament? Yeah, the chalky guy that I did play was Justin Thomas at 16 to 1. He was runner up here actually in 2019, even though he's missed the, the cut the last two years here. He's still trying to kind of piece that game together. But one encouraging sign, the bread and butter is back. He was second in the field last week for strokes gained approach and tee to green. Just couldn't make a putt. Lost almost three strokes on the green over a four-day span. And that's why he was T8. And then 
a man that's crossed the 20 to one threshold. And every time he does that and gets above that number, I'm in on him because he cashed in this role twice last year. And that's Rory McIlroy. And I got him at 24 to one right behind you at Circa. And I think he's going to be a little smarting, Scott, just simply because he gave a tournament away over in the DP World Tour three weeks ago. Should have won the Dubai Desert Classic. Tried to clear water for, with a three wood from about 270 out. Mud on the ball. Failed to carry it, bogeyed the 18 when he only needed birdie, and he could have laid up and made birdie and actually won the golf tournament. So I think he's going to carry a little bit of anger and motivation with him out of here to Riviera. Hideki Matsuyama, 25 to 1. T8 last week in Phoenix was fifth in the field on approach. He has two top fives here and two other top tens here in his last six visits to Riviera. And then another guy that just kind of popped on the stat model play. Like when I'm piecing together a future card, Scott, some guys are like recent foreign plays. Some guys are market plays. Like I mentioned with McElroy drifting to a certain number. This guy is kind of my stat model play. And that's Sun JM at 43 to one second in this week's field for T to green third in strokes gained off the tee, fifth for uh, ball striking, fifth for strokes gained short game all over the last 24 rounds. And then you got to go up one horse for a course, and he's won three times here, and that's Bubba Watson, who is about 50-1. to one. Playing his best golf in the last couple years, had a runner-up in Saudi Arabia a couple weeks ago. T14 last week in Phoenix actually led the field with his irons on approach. So Bubba Watson, 50-1. to one. Joaquin Neiman, 60-1. to one. T6 at Torrey Pines, T8 at Saudi Arabia. He only finished 44th here last year, but he was actually second after 36 holes going into the weekend. Shot a bad 78 on Saturday in real tough, windy conditions. So the Torrey Pines finish, I think, three weeks ago is very encouraging. Similar grass here, Kukuya Fairways, Poa Greens, and then Thomas Peters, 70-1. to Does not have a win here as a professional, even though he is runner-up to Dustin Johnson back in 2017. But he did win on this golf course, actually, as a collegiate player at University of Illinois. Won the NCAA Division I championship as an individual player. Won in Abu Dhabi last month. Two victories in his last five worldwide starts. Talk to me about DJ. Does he have a, a good chance this weekend? You know, I think he does. Uh, it's really weird with DJ Scott because he's gone over a calendar year without getting a victory yeah. anywhere let alone on the PGA Tour. The last time he won was the Saudi International back in 2021. But DJ, you know, he's kind of been Mr. Riviera. If he hasn't won, he's either lost a couple times where he's been a runner-up or lost in a playoff. But this is a guy that does live out in Los Angeles, has a home out there. And Riviera is a course in which he trains. So when you look at the form, if you get like a form sheet, you see like all these top 10 finishes pretty much in a row. The worst finish he's had since 2014 was a 16th back in 2018, and he missed a couple cuts, but either he's going to miss the cut or he's going to finish like top 10. He was eighth two weeks ago over in Saudi Arabia, maybe starting to turn it around. I needed to see a little bit more. I passed on than this week. Would not shock me at all if he won. Hey, one more guy I'll throw out there, Colin Morikawa. Yeah, Morikawa has only got two starts here, 26th in 2020. 43rd last year. Now, he did play the U.S. Amateur here back in 2017, made the round of 16 because they go into kind of knockout bracket qualifying after the stroke play. But he's a Los Angeles native. He's played this course before. 
Uh, I would like to see him be a little bit better with the putter, but this isn't really going to be a putting contest, Scott, because you got these POA greens that are very bumpy. A lot of guys don't like to putt on these greens. It's not like a putting on carpet like on some of these Bermuda surfaces. So, look, he's right up there, and, and really all the top 10 players in the world are in this field this week. I do think that you're going to see a proven player now that this has gone to kind of more of an invitational format. Only 120 players in this field this week. Nice. Uh, so there's our golf wrap. Real quick, I know you're into the NASCAR as well. Uh, any early thoughts on the Daytona 500 coming up this weekend? Yeah, the Hendrick uh, cars uh, certainly look like they dominated qualifying. They are on the front row, defending champion Kyle Larson and also Alex Bowman, yet again on the front row in Daytona. But one of the things about the Daytona 500 that's unique from a lot of the other NASCAR races, do not be afraid to take a bomb here. Usually week to week in NASCAR, you're going to see, you know, chalky guys anywhere from like three to one to like eight to one. It's going to be a short price, guys, because the best teams and the best guys win every Every single week, but don't be afraid to take a bomb here. Michael McDowell, who is, I think, like 70 to one, he was almost a triple digit bomb here last year because this is plate racing and this turns into demolition derby. Mm. So the small teams can compete here. I will absolutely take a flyer on somebody like that. Wes, appreciate the conversation as always. You got it, Scott. Thanks for having me. There he is, Wes Reynolds. You catch them all across the Beeson Network. You read them in Point Spread Weekly as well. And don't forget to listen to Long Shots here on the Sports Betting Network. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. At- 